December 3rd, 2012. It's the creative process. All right, uh, lift off when the clock has started. Welcome to this episode of The Creative Process. This is episode five. I'm your host, Jared Ponchat. I'm the creative director at Lullabot. Also with me today is Jeff Robbins. He's the CEO of Lullabot. Hello! <laughs> How are you, Jared? I'm great. <laughs> we're, do- we're-, we're recording this like relatively early uh, in the morning. We- we've decided, we decided, you know what? We're going to come up with this new podcast schedule for the new podcasts um and we're going to put put this podcast out every two weeks all the podcasts are coming out every two weeks now we've got this podcast um the creative process we've got um uh, jeff eaton's podcast uh which is called insert content here all about content strategy and then we've got um our drupal podcast uh which is the drupal i is me podcast which Addie berry um is the lead host of um and that also comes out every two weeks originally we thought that drupal I is me would come out every two weeks and these other ones have come out monthly and we just felt like we didn't have enough momentum and so um so now we're saying okay every two weeks and we scheduled them out so that this one comes out on monday and uh insert content here comes out on friday and drupalize me comes out on alternating fridays and so we kind of we like have a deadline which is good which keeps us going however (laughs) it also means that uh we find ourselves uh, scrambling at the last minute to record the podcast early in the morning yeah Uh, and i've got my um got my chai tea here and uh i've got my cup of coffee beside me yes it's gonna be a caffeinated podcast and i want to apologize ahead of time (laughs) hopefully it'll be our ritalin and we'll be followable yeah hopefully (laughs) how how are you jared i'm great i'm great i like i like the mornings i don't know if that's normal for creative people yeah Um, i don't know i i'm a morning person too i find that like in the afternoon i just get less productive i don't know i had a i had a busy Weekend, I went and spoke uh, at um, the Ohio Drupal Camp. Drupal Camp, Ohio. They've decided to put the word Ohio at the end. Drupal Camp, Ohio, um, in Columbus. Um, and I gave a keynote talk there. And it's always, um, oh, it's always sort of a trip. You know, you kind of commit to that. Like, yeah, sure, I'll speak. You know, and then you realize, like, ah, oh, I got to figure out what to actually speak about. And uh, <laughs> You you you've been speaking. You you did a talk at uh, an event apart. Yes, that was that was great fun. Uh, Honor to speak at an event like that. It's really, really cool. It's always funny to speak at an event where you feel like, wow, there's a bunch of people in this audience doing fascinating things. I kind of want to hear them talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's yeah. good to like respect yeah. your, your audience oh, yeah. and, and and stuff. Well, how do you prepare for your talks? Like, what what's your process for putting together your your presentations. So my presentations, I've never been asked to come and speak on a particular subject until this year. Prior to this year, it was always, I had this germ in my head of this idea where this is really kind of bugging me, or I'm fascinated with this, or this is interesting. Uh, In fact, the talk that I gave in an event apart, which is about designing for content management systems and really just broadly, how to run design processes for modern, large, content-driven websites, especially in the age of responsive design. And it really kind of came out of a talk that I did uh, more than a year ago that was just 
uh, a talk about designing in general and design process, especially trying to bring people back to some fundamental basics of design process and how it relates to the web. Um, and it, it was basically a talk that came out of conversations I had with a number of web designers realizing, wow, nobody ever, a number of these people, colleagues that are doing great work, never went to design school. Like, don't really have the vernacular down of even how to talk to a client about some very fundamentals uh, of like design principles that you can apply in design processes. And so I thought I should do a talk on just design principles. Uh, and that's that was the the early origins of of what became this talk. But generally, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have this idea. I'll start writing some stuff uh, on it. Uh, generally, it leads to a really long-form article that never gets published, <laughs> <laughs> which I need to change that. Um, I need to actually... Uh, the, the, everyone's huge... Li- I have a huge list of articles that I've never written. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I seem to be fantastic about... Uh, of Like, probably one of the more prolific people that doesn't actually show anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But... Part of that's my perfectionism, which I need to get just jettison at some point. Maybe that's just a common problem for people who are in a place where their work and them getting a paycheck is resulting in or from creative output that you feel this sense that you need to like create amazing things. And so you are gun shy about showing things if it's not amazing and then you your standards get higher and higher the longer you do it and that kind of thing but i don't know that's a long way of saying like i i write a bunch of stuff typically when i create a talk uh and it usually starts from a basic outline um i'll i'll try to create a an outline sometimes i i like plain text like i'll open up text edit and (laughs) switch it to plain text mode and start writing which is k- kind of weird now that I think about it, since I'm a, a very visual designer. But I don't know. I think I think for organizing, it's like wireframes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to you want to just keep it keep it simple. I used to say with songwriting that like if a song didn't work with just you know voice and an acoustic guitar, it wasn't really a song, you know. Right. And I know a lot of people write songs that way. I, I kind of prefer to sort of put to, put them together, sort of as the the sound of it first kind of experimenting with sound but i think it's really important to also che- sort of check it <laughs> like we used to check our web pages in 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 links in text only browsers right just right. to to see if they if they worked that way yeah yeah, yeah. And there is something nice about for maybe and this is probably just a personal preference thing but i love lo-fi like creating lo-fi well it's a reminder of the central thesis of something you know whether there is one because it's really possible to build up things and realize you you've you've put a whole lot of icing and there is no yeah (laughs) yeah i I know a number of people who use that what's that app called ia writer i think which is an app that's just designed to be you know fill your screen with this plain text editor kind of experience that's like it's, it's just all about the the text that's all it's about how do do you feel about um your your talks morphing over time i i i've I've really come to embrace that a lot more i yeah i used to think that every time i did a talk i needed to do a new talk um maybe it was because the drupal community was relatively small and i felt like they'd all seen it yes (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so i needed to come up with something new but but then i saw some 
it was Jared Spool. Um, and, and I was seeing him talk and someone leaned over to me and says, oh, I've seen him give this talk like 12 times before. And but his talk was great. Yeah, was I was like, going to say the reason they had was because they was amazing. And yeah. like, he had all the jokes and he was just, you know, it was just like it was really great talk. And, yeah, and, uh, I, I think that's a good problem to have in the sense that the reason someone said that is because he had such a good talk that he actually did it at a whole bunch of different events because everybody wanted to hear it. And that person happened to be at multiple of them. Uh, <laughs> but I know even talking to Jared actually at an event apart that that his talk even morphs and he's actually, you know, he's been speaking so much that he has to uh, do some adjustment just because people will be like, well, I've heard that. Come on, tell me something new. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found myself, I, you know, sat down and kind of up, updated my slides and I even kind of changed the sort of like message of everything you know mm -hmm. a, a little bit um sort of the underlying i don't know I, I i found that i was able to sort of come up with as as you sort of work on things kind of work them out in front of an audience if yeah you, will, you know um and we used to do this in the band too right you know like songs would kind of you'd think you'd kind of think it was one way and then you'd get it up there you know through a full guitar stack and it's like oh right. no, this is <laughs> this is different than i thought <laughs> i was uh, I was talking with Jeffrey Zeldman about this very issue, and he said something to the effect of, like, it, it frustrates me that just when I finally kind of get a talk fleshed out and worked out, that I've done it enough to now I've got it where it's good, that's when it's time to retire it, because everybody's heard it by then. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, yeah. But yeah. I do think that changing your talk as you do it, as you do it more, is just respecting your audience because you you learn things especially at good events they'll, they'll you'll get feedback uh and you'll learn that oh wow nobody got that the, you know the, well that was the core central concept and people seem to not understand that or like what's happened for me a lot in the talk that i gave in an event apart actually had morphed a great deal from how i had originally given it um and I think I think the first time I ever really gave what was that talk was at South by Southwest, and uh, there it was like on the back of a napkin, just about. I mean, I literally <laughs> wrote it in the car on the way to South I, by Southwest. I was, I was driving with I you. I didn't yes. have a <laughs> I didn't have a slide when we got in that car. You kept you kept look, looking over at me and going like, "Should I be nervous about this?" I'm like, ah, <laughs> "It's South by Southwest. There's probably gonna be a teeny little room and nobody will be right. there." And of course, they put you in this like. 700 person capacity room. right <laughs> but and there were and it was full but yeah. i didn't uh i i knew centrally what i wanted to communicate and in the i think the talk went well at south by southwest but i went away from it feeling like okay if i do this again like there's a much better outline to this there's a way i can get to where people can understand uh there's sort of uh i feel like good talks have a, a preface like here's what you need to understand to come away from this talk getting getting good things out of it here's the preface and then here's the 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 meat of it and then sort of a conclusion that helps you understand now here's in case you your mind trailed off like mine does during these things here's <laughs> here's what we just covered and here's the things that I think are really important from what I just spent an hour telling you and and Getting that flow down for me actually takes several times doing a talk. Hmm, it's sort of yeah. like as you're doing it, you you begin to discover 
you know, it's not never a great feeling because I've had those feelings before on stage where it's like, you know what? This segue makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't notice yeah. that in my hotel room, but this is a total nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually the best thing to do is just acknowledge that. Uh. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you, do you, uh, I mean, I, I think that there's a very different, it's a very different experience rehearsing uh, a talk uh, in your hotel room um, as opposed to doing it on, on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I even just have sort of built that into my acknowledgement of these things. Like, I w- I want to leave it pretty flexible on stage. Like, right. um, you know, one of these things, this like presentation Zen stuff, where they basically, you know, the idea is don't put all, like don't have a presentation that doesn't need you to be there. Right. Yeah. Um, that that is all like bullet points. These sort of corporate talking right you know uh-huh. where like i've got a i've got a uh, keynote and either you can just look at the keynote i'm going to put it up on slideshare or whatever or you can see me give the keynote but or you could give the keynote yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh but i i don't like I, what i like is to put up just like a picture um or or something and then kind of riff on it like improv improvise mm-hmm. on stage you know because like i don't know i find it, it's just it's just different like being up there and sort of feeling out the energy in the room and what people want to hear and how they want to hear it. And I don't know, it's just, uh, it's a little bit more magical, but it's a little bit more dynamic. And I think it, for people, it feels like you're actually talking to them yeah, as opposed to talking at them. I think everybody's different. I've actually tried radically different approaches to that because Mm -hmm. I still don't know which, which one is me, but this talk that I did in an event apart is the first time I ever decided I would try actually a completely different approach than what I used to do. I <laughs> Yeah, because that's not a very yeah, important <laughs> Well, it was more that I, I figured that I could throw... I, let me explain. <laughs> so what I did was um, you, typically what I've done when I give talks is to rehearse it. Uh, you know, I'll rehearse in my hotel room or whatever. Weeks leading up to it, I'll do some rehearsal. Usually it's very difficult to get time to do that. And when you're doing like an hour-long talk, that's actually a really challenging thing because you've got to basically set aside an hour just to rehearse it once. And you sound like a crazy person. And you sound like a crazy person to yourself, yeah. And it's hotel room. The What, you know, many people may not realize even when they've seen me speak recently is that two years ago, I had never even given a talk at anything. Like, I, the, I, I, I very recently decided, you know, I should, you know, it was actually your prodding, Jeff, that I should, I should just start submitting. I should talk. Like, it is, that is the down, the downside of hanging out with me. Yeah. So what do you perform? Yes. (laughs) 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 But regardless, it's the whole, I'm still kind of figuring out and learning how to do it and so what I had done was come up with sort of bullet points that tried to encapsulate you know that I could stick into a keynote presentation in the presenter notes uh, the basic pieces I wanted to talk around in a given slide uh, and then rehearse it and I would be frustrated because every time I would rehearse it like sometimes the magic would be there and sometimes it wouldn't um, and I was so nervous going into an event apart for like for a web designer, that to me has always felt like the premier event. Like, 
there, there, others may disagree, others may have their other thing, but for me, for some reason, for I've always ha- held it in this regard that it's just like, that's the top notch. It doesn't really get higher than that. And so I felt very honored, but also completely wetting my pants about <laughs> trying to go do this. So I thought, you know, I should try to do everything I can to figure out and capture the magic. And so I spent a lot of time in the weeks leading up and wrote the entire talk, like w- tried to basically rehearsing it and then stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to try to write that down and actually write it out in full verse. Uh, and I ended up with, oh, good grief. I don't remember what it was. Uh, 60,000 words. Or so like I ended up with this <laughs> giant, giant like book, wow. essentially. Yeah, I, um, I do that too. I, I think I, I do that. I use the, uh, the notes you know the presenter notes and yeah, keynote, yeah. and when I when I'm giving my talk, I have a huge like section of that presenter display uh-huh. is is just like you know big typeset uh, kind of notes, and I'll sort of glance over at that while I'm talking. But like it's a way to kind of test out sentences and lines, and, right? You know, as stuff is occur- coming up. You know, and I, again, it's it's sort of like songwriting. Like, you know, we we used to tr- try to build a lot of Im- improvisation into the into that process. I mean, obviously, you sort of get to maybe get together as a band and do some jamming, like, mm-hmm. and try and record it. And but then, like, I mean, oftentimes <laughs> we would we would go like play in front. You know, we'd get have a gig, and I'd be like, "Let's try that new song." Right? But they'd be like, "Do you have lyrics to that?" And like. No, but nobody can tell. It's a small club. They can't understand what the hell I'm saying anyways, you know. And, uh, and, you know, but uh, like during that process, whether it's in rehearsal, usually it's in rehearsal or for me, it's like driving around in my car, you know, like I, I, some, something will come to you as you're kind of doing it. And then I'll try and capture that, write it down, um, you know, like. I, I would <laughs> like these gigs, you know, you go on 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 stage and the song's got one idea, one title, you know, like oh, it's, it's sort of the working title of the song. And then you're like singing this gobbledygook lyrics <laughs> and hoping that no one notices. And by the end of the song, you've got, to, oh, I know what this song is called. I know what it's about. And you like, crap, I like hope that this song is sort of near the end of the uh the the set so that I could conceivably write it down. Hold on, everyone, I've got to enter this into my iPhone. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but I I do that too. I mean, I, I think that um, you know, completely improvising. You, you got to have something to yeah. to build it on. And so, and I think that there's also this process of of having. I don't know, having a framework or, a, you know, like a a lattice work. It's sort of a, um, you know. Um, to to sort of uh, build on, you yeah. know, and, and for me having those notes, knowing that that I had some ideas and that I could sort of choose to delve into that, or if I'm not feeling it, skip over them. Um, I, I think is is really helpful for right. me. <laughs> and and when I when I did that, I didn't do it with the idea of that I was going to actually have this giant document and use it during the talk. It was it was more of a I'm going to test out, like, I, I needed some way to rehearse, and I thought, and rehearsing can be so awkward, especially if, you're, if your goal is to rehearse a lot. Um, I was afraid that it would just destroy the magic, and so I thought one way to spend a lot of time and really understand what I want to say would be to write it all down. Um, and I think it was actually a great exercise. I'm really glad that I did it, 
And what happened was I was then able to, what I did is, again, it's this giant plain text document. I don't remember what the total word count was, but it was insane. <laughs> and, uh, and I put like four paragraph breaks anywhere there was like, now we'd be moving to a new slide so that you could visually mm. look down it and kind of see. see. And then I wound up using that to pull notes out of it. Uh, like, you know, okay, I, that's, I've, I've now massaged that to where that's how I would want to say this. You know, now how do I encapsulate that into notes that will actually help me if I get stuck mentally be able to look down and remember, oh, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go with that. And it worked pretty well, actually. And it, I also felt like, uh, for me, writing things down gives me a fluency with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just felt more fluent in the language of my own talk or something um, by doing that. But, I, yeah, I, it's when, when I, in my years, uh, I was in a band for a number of years. Actually, I originally moved to Atlanta because I was in a band at the time and uh, at the, it, before moving to Atlanta, I was sort of paying my way through college while in a band doing construction and landscaping work. And it's funny how I, I wrote more lyrics uh, while on a lawnmower <laughs> yeah. than, than I did almost anywhere else. For some reason, I always had like fantastic sort of like the most poetic ideas I had lyrically always came while mowing or trimming a bush or something like that which was and so actually to this day I, sort of I mow my own itself, I suppose. yeah and I, I mow my own yard to this day and it's one of my favorite things to do because <laughs> for some reason it's the best mental exercise i get in the I, week I, is when there's I mow. something about this this uh uh idea of what i call um peripheral creativity right i mean like when we as we grow up as human beings i think we try to become more logical right you ask a a a if you know we try to try to make more sense out of out of the world if you ask a three-year-old to make up a story they have no problem making up a story but a 30-year-old um they, they don't define that way they're making trying to make more sense out of the world and 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 add logic onto it rather than sort of embracing this this creative part of the of of people yet i think that we're just sort of born with that mm-hmm. and so and so if we can sort of shut off this this logical part of the brain if we can if we can put that to good use somehow mowing the lawn mm-hmm. or or I, I, driving a car or or something where <laughs> something, <laughs> something where you know if you don't do it right you might die right <laughs> <laughs> And yet, it's nonverbal. It's it's uh, it's not a creative thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mowing your lawn, you gotta get get on those lines, and you gotta mm-hmm. want to try to get it. Right. I'm sure your lawn looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you well enough to know it's gonna be really per- perfectly done. And uh, and um, you know, but I think as you can as, as you can sort of occupy your brain with that, I think that 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 if you can sort of somehow give voice to that this peripheral part of your brain, this sort of, you know, three-year-old part of your brain that's constantly, you know, coming up with these ideas. You, you hear people all the time say, oh, I'm, I'm totally, I'm not a creative person. I, I can come up with an idea if, if I wanted to. And yet, 
you talk to them the next morning and they'll tell you about all this night of crazy dreams that they had. Right. And, and you know, man, I don't know where that comes from. It comes from your brain. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the same brain, you know. Uh, I think I think that it's out there and if you just kind of kind of can let it go and and you know for me oftentimes i'll 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 drive around in my car um with with song pieces and ideas that i've put together and 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 that it does a it's sort of an important part of my my creative process around songwriting it, um because it does a bunch of things first of all I, i'll put it on and if god i don't want to hear it you know like i thought it was a really great idea two or three <laughs> days ago and now it's like yeah that's really not so good you know right. um so it's also sort of you know running it through a uh you know, wearing down the path and figuring out whether it's a good path because yeah. because I think that there's a perspective thing as well. But but then also, you know, I'll get more ideas, oftentimes lyrical ideas or sort of thematic ideas, you know, and the trick is of, of course trying to trying to write down those notes while I'm driving down the highway. Um I I think things like Siri start to make that a little bit easier for me. But I've gotten really good at writing um, without looking at my writing. <laughs> I can write in my notebook yeah. with um, well, the notebook sitting on the passenger seat without looking at it and then just sort of make sense of it later. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised at nothing. I had an uncle when I was growing up who used to he, – he was really into novels. And he, he, I remember being just terrified as like a, about a nine-year-old when I realized that he liked to read while driving. <laughs> he would go on road trips and he would, he would have his little paperback open on the middle of the steering wheel and didn't see it as a problem. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, Boy, the, the, there's something that's peripheral vision there, I suppose. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that probably the actual like road should not be yeah, peripheral. Yeah, just. Yeah, I should state, do not try this. Yeah. <laughs> to, to listen, this was a bad idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Thankfully, he stopped it and before anyone was hurt. Um, but no I, I think that, like, the <clears throat> improvisation, sort of getting on stage as well, there's an importance to it. Yeah. And an urgency to it that also sort of brings out that part of the brain as well. Um, yeah, there's... It's interesting how so what is it SCTV has uh, has that improv studio where people can go and uh, the likes of uh, Stephen Colbert went there, Tina Fey went there, huh. uh, Second City, uh, uh, Steve, Second City, yeah, uh, Steve Carell. There, yeah. There's been a huge list of people, but then ordinary people can pay to go be in these same classes too and there's people all the time and comics go there and and many of them i I remember hearing i think it was an it was stephen colbert talking about his first when he first went there and and he didn't know he hadn't done much improv and and just being so floored at this process because they started out with all these people in a room and they and like one of the first exercises was for the next 15 minutes you have to go around making inappropriate sounds and part of them need to be like actual farts and burps and stuff and (laughs) and the entire room walking around doing this stuff and then there were things like people like you have to like scream at the top of your lungs and then try to do it sounding like this or that. And like people getting to a place where they're completely comfortable with themselves in very illogical ways 
began to open begins to open up creative pathways. There is this weird thing about uh, as we get older, just the the norms and even what's acceptable, as well as just what makes sense, dictates and governs not just what we do, but how we think and how we even let our brain explore things. Um, yeah, I went last. I was in uh, L.A. for uh, Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago, and and um, a friend of mine took me to go see the Groundlings, um, which is a improv troupe similar to Second City uh, out in um, out in L.A. Again, a lot of like Saturday Night Live staff has has come out of there, and there's a fair amount of improv that they do in there too, and it's really something that we don't see a whole lot in our lives and and i think improv is oftentimes sort of um kind of <laughs> when you think improv you think like ooh jazz fusion right <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like uh yeah that's uh you know uh, out there right you know difficult like mm-hmm. you know not acceptable uh, not not well accessible <laughs> right <laughs> i have some feelings about jazz fusion but I, i'll i'll give it that it's 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 uh it's it's sometimes difficult you know yeah, not, not easy to dance to yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and uh I, you know it doesn't it doesn't always need to be that way i think that that it, there's there's it can be simpler um, and I mean, you know, when you think about it, just just a discussion right now, we're mm. you know, this, this is improvised, right? right. You know, um, in fact, we decided to go in today without without notes. Um, you know, usually, oftentimes when we do these podcasts, we you know have like a Google Doc of, of sort of bullets, kind of you know points to touch on, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think even with the bullets, there's a there's a fair amount of improv that goes on, and. Right. Uh, it's sort of it's sort of you know hard to to differentiate uh i think you know like cuz it some it needs to be out there it needs to be jazz fusion for it to feel like like <laughs> it's hard, you know uh, but this I, is awkward it, for normal people to listen to uh, but i art happens on smaller scales as well right, right. you know right that, that creative stuff um it, there was actually um uh life hacker uh i think it was last week or something like that i'm not even quite sure why they don't usually post sort of quotes oh i think they they had a uh, a video of ray Bra- ray bradbury um that they were that they'd posted up and but it had this this quote uh uh this ray bradbury quote that that struck me um saying uh sometimes you just have to jump out the window and grow wings on the way down <sighs> and i know that like there've been there've been times uh that people at lullabot sometimes feel like you guys don't have this figured out ahead of time do you <laughs> right <laughs> you know like they're like uh you know <clears throat> You know, we'll sort of jump into some new thing or idea or something like that, you know, figuring that we'll sort of figure it out as we go. But I think sometimes for employees, they want to know that you've you've got it all, mm-hmm. you know, figured out. You've got a financial model for it. You've got a, you know, sort of plot of how it's going to work. And, you know, as you go out as – as uh like startups, you know, you have to put together your plan if you're going to go out and raise venture capital. But <laughs> the secret of that is that, like, those plans are just made up. And, right. and often they aren't that way. And companies will do what they call p- pivoting, which means completely changing. Our, <laughs> right. You know, like, oh, yeah, which, we 
which we is also to... known as embracing reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I think that you know we've tried to build this also into our uh, our project management process. I mean, it, to some extent, it's built into the um, agile development. Uh, process, right? This idea of uncertainty, mm-hmm. this idea of like, well, things are going to change, ideas are going to change. And and the best that we can do is sort of come up with the scaffolding. Um, and even in the design of that scaffolding, it will allow us to to change it. It's changeable scaffolding. Right. And and I don't know, I think that that, that works best but sometimes it does feel like we've just jumped out the window and we have no plan for how we're going to... Uh, hit the ground safely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there aren't really guarantees in life when we work really hard to create the illusion that there are, but I I think it was Buckminster, Buckminster Fuller the that you said uh um what was it uh I just invent and then wait until man comes around and needing what I invented. <laughs> That's um, the- Steve Jobs method, right? Yeah, yeah. The, sort of like I'm. I'm just going to create good things, and you people can figure out what you want. Them. <laughs> but there is something to fearlessness in terms of being being able to produce. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's maybe may a topic for another podcast. Um, but this idea of sort of creating for creation's sake, you know, um, I think that there's that. You know, definitely another part of that is sort of is creating this stew this pile just sort of like outputting 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 and then and then switching gears into an editing mode and sort of sifting through this giant pile of of creative output different Mm -hmm. things and starting to sort of try and infer some sense into it and uh um and and see what of it is is good and what isn't um which you know part of i was talking about that like driving around in the car and sort of listening to stuff is, is part of that process of sort of, you know, cause you try not to judge while you're, uh, uh, while you're creating. Um, yeah. Or you, or you, 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 it's either that or you, like I've found often in design, I've, I, I judge constantly, but in doing so, I, I build a shelf of things where, that's not working for this, but it yeah. still sits there. And right. and then later on, I'll be trying to solve a similar but different problem on some other project and, and remember, oh, yeah, that, that didn't work there, but that might work here. And how did I... Uh, well, how did I arrange that? What was that? You know, right. Well, and, you hear like you know, Twitter was essentially shelved for like a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, talking yeah, with so sort of <coughs> maybe we could pursue that sometime. Yeah, Aaron Walter talked about that that story uh, in our last podcast about uh, the secret to you know when we think of really creative and prolific people, typically their secret is not that they have some magic. It's just that they produce a lot and they have shelves full of things that nobody ever wanted that they can pull from kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, are are there ways that you find that this sort of peripheral thinking works in, in web design and other design, like more visual design kind of stuff? Because, because they're actually like I talk about it as sort of this peripheral vision kind of thing, but by definition, when you're doing visual design, you need to look at it. Yeah, I do think that um, it both uh, in in the entire design process it, for myself, it's very applicable. Uh, the I've always referred to it as creative pause, and there's a number of designers who who talk about creative pause. Uh, 
and it's this idea of shifting the brain uh, to something to another task, often non. Uh, it, it might even be a different creative task, but for some reason, shifting the brain's energy towards something else opens up uh, the that back channel for the right hemisphere to start having that moment of insight about, and it can be um, trying to uncover uh, the beginning of a design process, say trying to really understand and uncover what the real purpose is. Sometimes I feel like one of the biggest challenges in, in design processes uh, is understanding purpose. Uh, and because a client, if you're working with a client or a stakeholder, they'll, they'll tell you one thing and it can be very specific and very much tied to some f- like functionality. But understanding underlying like what's the real thing we're trying to accomplish as we do this can can be tricky in trying to figure out ways of communicating it to uncover it. Um, and even in that, I think often when you 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 have those conversations, you do some work to discover it, and then you wind up actually hitting on the the perfect way to describe it and and condense it down uh, while you're shifting to some other part of the process um, or while you're uh, you know not even working on that project. And and with also for myself, like the 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 book Imagine by Jonah Lair, which there's all kinds of controversy around him lately. Uh, nevertheless, that was a fantastic book. And one of the interesting things in the book that I'm hoping is one of the things that was actually true <laughs> is uh, that uh, the way that uh, that portion of your brain in the right hemisphere that actually is really critical to what he refers to in the book as a moment of insight um, one of the the prerequisites to moments of insight to the activity in that brain space is this sense of of comfort and peace and um so he talks about at 3m uh they they have designed their campus uh in ways that you can that to get from particular parts of buildings to others there's these like circuitous nature walks and they actually have requirements around like you need to go on these walks and and things like that um and then and also for most people the the as adults the the closest thing you experience to this sensation is a warm shower um yeah there's something about uh warm water on the back of the neck that actually puts you into this state that's sort of similar to like <laughs> it's like back in the womb or something <laughs> but uh for myself actually i i organize my day around that uh at, when i heard that i thought you know i've often like started to come up with ideas even just how to respond to something in a project like how to respond to a particular email the right way to communicate a particular thing the right way to encapsulate something the right way to wireframe something whatever it is i'll ideas start now i they don't necessarily completely get fleshed out but ideas often start in the shower and so i've actually i never when with the exception of when I have to, I try to, and this is actually one of the huge advantages of working for a distributed company and working from the home, um, is that <laughs> Take a I, shower can, I actually want. can organize my day. So I usually after my 11 a.m. calls, I go take a shower. Um, and usually by that point in the day, I need that kind of energy change in my brain. And interesting. And it's usually really helpful. And it just like kind of slingshots me into the afternoon. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is interesting <clears throat> being, you know, as Lullabot is a distributed company, um, there's just a certain amount of unconventionalness <laughs> that comes with that. You know, I mean, it's 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 a non-conventional way to be a company to start with, but then it sort of allows for for those kind of processes because I don't I don't know how that would work I mean I guess that 3m is starting to figure out how that would work at a, at a real company but but these things that don't look like work right <laughs> being an important part of the work process right yeah um, you know that uh, stepping stepping away and yep. and and uh, looking at something from a distance or from the corner of your eye or um, just stopping thinking about it, you know. I think oftentimes, uh, I mean, I've I've experienced this this in visual work and certainly in you know music work, um, but uh, but also programming and mm-hmm. and and development and stuff like that. I mean, these things. It's just like I don't know how to solve this problem, um, and you would think that leaning into it, you know, working on it harder would be the yeah. way to solve it, and then. Finally, you give up and 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 you know go to bed, and then the next morning you wake up and there's the idea right there. Just, yeah, you know, right? like oh, it's the answer, and I, I've certainly done that. And uh, huh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of varying opinions on on that, and people that swear that no, you have to you have to just lean into. I, I think that it there there's a time and a place for people who are wired like me, my tendency is to zone out on work and to, to con- like basically dive in deep and just kind of get stuck in it. And, mm. you know, six hours later, Oh wow, it's five o'clock and I never ate lunch. Um, and so for me, it's actually something I need to be intentional about where there are other people that their problem is actually the exact opposite that um, they have a hard time like doing the, okay, I'm going to just work on this and see where I can get. Um, and so, but they're, but they have an easy time sort of taking creative pause, you know, that's like yeah. what they constantly want to do. So I, <laughs> <laughs> attention deficit d- disorder does help with all this, doesn't it? It's sort of like, you know, it's hard to lean in so much when your brain's just, ah, la, 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 yeah. you know, <laughs> but on the other hand, I, I've really found that, uh, um, that, you know, for me, the goal is to come up, is to build, you know, as an adult, I've I've built that logical part of my brain. Now I, my job is to build this relationship, this, this bridge between the logical part of my brain and the creative part of my brain, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to, to, to delve into the creative side and sort of just sort of, you know, reach into that dark chasm and sort of see, you know, pull out like kind of go creative fishing and sort of see like, oh, what what ideas are are there and and, you know, and be able to pull them back quickly. Um, Yeah, is, you know, ultimately, that's like, I feel like a skill that I'm I'm pretty good at and and um, and would like to be better at, but also appreciate um right and and oftentimes you know when i'm in meetings that's the stuff where i'll come up with something and everyone will sort of look at me with their mouth agape like wow where'd that come from you yeah. know? <laughs> and sometimes sometimes it's wow where'd that come from you're a crazy person yeah. but sometimes it's like what a interesting new way of looking at this uh and right um yeah and you know we just sort of allow that and it, it works <laughs> 
I think even the genesis of this podcast is that sort of you and I are both sort of fascinated with creativity and creative things and just how those things happen. And even though they're things that we do and some of it we've figured out, one of the ways we figure things out is by talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, talking with people who also do that and see, see, see what we can learn. Um, that's the exciting thing to me about doing the podcast is, you know, continually talking to people about how they manage creativity. I also think that there's a lot of people who don't realize that they're creatives um, because we have particular ideas around what creative. Typically, I think creativity is associated with tasks to people because mm. we're just a task oriented society and our culture, especially in the West, is is very much our value is productivity and our value is is accomplishment. And so we almost associate everything and how we view the world around those things. And so creativity has to do with uh, these types of tasks and this type of output. Um, and it's typically visual. If it's not visual, then it, it then it's like there are people who make their living writing, um, but they don't think of themselves as a creative because the type of writing they do doesn't feel like what they would call creative writing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, but I think that there's, to a large degree, I think we're just creative beings and, and people in all kinds of occupations and jobs and uh, vocations and non-vocations are making things all the time and solving problems all the time. And uh, just maybe not even realizing that how they're doing it um, and where it comes from. Well, and yeah, and as you say, that's what fascinated us about this this idea of this podcast was, you know, talking to a, a wide variety of people. Um, and yeah, and you know, for people who are listening, we we love suggestions around this stuff. And uh, um, you know, feel free to just comment on on this podcast, or if you go to lullabot dot com to our contact page, um, there's a section where you can. I think it's like contact us about podcasts, um, mm-hmm. and you can send us. Suggestions for uh, e- either individual people or the types of people that you'd like us to talk to, because, I mean, yeah, they're, I'm sure people are listening to this and thinking like, oh, yeah, you, they're very creative programmers out there, and um, people think yeah, of that actually, oftentimes as a, as a logical trade, and and sometimes it can be, but I think yeah. you know the people who can balance. I uh, think a lot of developers are hugely creative people and there's so much development work that it's just the way they solve things is very creative all the time so yeah 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 so anyways but we will certainly explore those things more in in uh in in further podcasts and uh that sounds like a pretty good segue out of here yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess at some point we have to create a way to end this thing yeah 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 but yeah so this is interesting i you know this idea of uh, the re- sort of imp- improvisation and um, this p- peripheral creativity and creative pause and um, sort of how these things work together. I do think that there's a, a funny relationship. Like improvisation seems like it's it's more focused, right? You're mm-hmm. you're you know do- on stage doing it, <laughs> and and uh, and you need to make it up as you go along, um, but. It, but peripheral thinking is stepping away from it. But I think that 
I, I don't know. I, maybe it's dreaming. Maybe it's dreaming is the relationship be, between these things. Because if you sort of think of the peripheral uh, thing, sort of uh, allowing that sparkling creativity at the edge of your at the edge of your uh, vision um, to 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 get through as it does when you're dreaming, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're dreaming, you're making it up as you go. Um, and there's not a point where people feel like they wake up and say, boy, I had this dream, but I, I just didn't know how to end it. <laughs> or I had this dream and, and, I, and I got to a road and I just couldn't decide where I wanted it to go left or right. I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe in lucid dreaming these these become issues, but yeah. it just feels like these things un, unfold. And, and certainly with improvisation, it's like, you know, people are there, they're waiting, they're listening. Um, I need to choose which note to play or which, you know, how, how where to go in this talk or, uh, or you know, I've, I've seen people, what was his name? There was a guy who was pretty famous for doing paintings on stage. Uh, His name's going to come to me as soon as we finish this podcast. But it was sort of a 1970s thing, and he'd go and, like, do, you know, open for Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, well, of course, that that would have to be the 60s, wouldn't it? But, you know, but that type of thing. Uh, Sort of, uh, you know, San Francisco style. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, so, but yes, we'll, we will explore these and more topics in future episodes. Uh, yeah. thanks everybody for listening <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.